Welcome back to Administrative Static, and we are joined by Kara Rollins to discuss a case that uh, was just before the Supreme Court called Corner Post, in which Kara put in an amicus brief. And this case is near and dear to our hearts because the government loves to keep, kick you out of court on a number of, of, of uh, Bogus ideas. Theories. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but this one is actually a statute of limitations in the APA of six years. And, and it's statutory. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's less bogus than usual, right? <laughs> so in any event, in any, in any event, but there is uh, the, the issue in this case um, was whether or not the statute can run when you weren't affected by it. So uh, this, we'll, we'll ask Kara, but Kara, what was the statute and what happened here? Yeah, so there's a regulation um, that... And by any, who? By, uh, it was the Federal Reserve Board. So, yeah. you know, those interchange fees. Every time right. you swipe your credit card, there's an interchange fee that goes in. So the regulation was in place. The interchange fee effectively gets passed down to consumers and businesses from the banks, and it's something that they have to charge and collect. Um, and so we had corner post, which was... And I'll just explain an interchange fee means for the credit card, to use a credit card. Although this was debit card, debit, if I remember correctly. Debit, yes, this right. particular yeah. Debit or credit, yeah. whichever it is. But when you swipe it, there's there's internal charges that go on between the banks and whoever. That's why sometimes uh, they don't, they, they'll give you a discount for cash and things exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. So go ahead. Um, this was like 21 cents or something like that. Something like that. It's all set by regulation from years ago. And so corner post, which is a gas station corner store in North Dakota, which was formed after, the re not only after the regulation was in place, but after the regulation was in place for six years, which would be your statute of limitations. And they challenged this. They said, this doesn't make any sense. We think the regulation is improper. We sh it shouldn't apply to us. Um, all of those arguments. And the fight is, you know, well, do you have the ability to bring this challenge or is it out of time? I think one of the interesting things that came in the argument yesterday is like there's no question that they have standing, right? That's the ability to get into court, that you have a harm that's concrete, it's particularized, it's the court can hear your case. There's no sort of question on that. The oddity that comes out here is like, yeah, you might have standing because you've been harmed by this rule, but do you get to bring the challenge or is it too late? I mean, that's the real gist of what happens in a statute of limitations case. And the language in this in this particular statute says that um, the... the uh, the statute begins to run when when you're harmed, right? Doesn't it say accrues, that? When, right? When it accrues. It uses the word accrues. And I'll just say for the listener, some statutes don't say that. Some statutes say very clearly from the date of the regulation it runs, right? Mm -hmm. And they, this doesn't say that. This says when it accrues. So corner post's argument is it accrued when they first ran their credit uh, card and had to pay the 21 cents. Right. And this this sort of becomes like the 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 fight. The, the difference between corner post and the government is they say, well, we're not injured until the regulation first affects us. The government's reading is no, the actual cruel point runs from final agency action. That's the promulgation of the regulation. But wouldn't that be a statute of repose? Well, typically, that's how you think of a statute of repose is that no one after that period of time can ever sue on it. But that's not what this is, I thought. I thought this was a statute of limitations. And that's that's the that's the fight. Right. And the government doesn't quite say that this is a statute of repose, but they, they but neither say does the statute. Say neither does the statute. Right. And so they, there, there is just like this this fight of does it cut off? And, you know, one of the things that comes up in the argument is this concern of what does this do to the regulatory framework that businesses structure themselves against, right? 
And this was certainly a concern from, you know, Justice Kagan, Justice Sotomayor, of like, how disruptive is this going to be? Does it open all regulations? Because the APA standard is the background rule. Now, there are specific rules for specific statutes and certain- Magnuson-Stevens Act. Magnuson-Stevens Act. Which says 30 days from issuance, yeah. right? You're, yeah. you're out of it. Yeah. So, But I, I have a question about this because um, the w- what happened, it, it appears to me, is that all these um, circuit courts ruled for the government, except for the sixth, they mm-hmm. all ruled for the government using this, what's the purpose question, not what the language is. Yes. So this might be another case where it's just because the courts become more textualist, they're going to go in that direction and say, look, you you made all these rules in the 70s and 80s treating it like this because you thought that was the purpose, but that's not what it says. That What does a crew mean? I, I think it'll come down to that. Yeah, I, I think that that's certainly the sense of it. Um, I, there's definitely a thread in the questioning yesterday on both sides about general unfairness, right? I mean, uh, Chief Justice Roberts said something effective. So is the government's argument just too bad? Um, too bad you're too late. And, you know, I mean, he's not one to show his hand. And I, I was sort of struck by that question. I was so, oh, okay. My ears perked up. But then, the you know, the flip side of that, obviously, from, you know, we'll say like the liberal justices is, my is that you know, from a fairness perspective, a consideration perspective is that this could be highly disruptive. And, and also you joined the industry knowing what the rules were. Yeah. That's her, that's Sotomayor's point. She says, wait a minute, the, the rules were set in this industry when you joined, you don't just come in and then, and then upset the apple cart. It's, yeah. It, it's interesting to me that she thinks that people are omniscient about the regulatory structure of an industry before they enter. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure that's true. But. And I thought that that was an interesting answer from the Solicitor General, because this, when this, point comes up, they say, well, you know, you have a diminished interest into getting into court if you enter a regulated industry knowing what it is. And that's not what the the sort of APA's thrust when it says we have a presumption in favor of judicial review. It's not, oh, wait, you're entering a regulated industry and therefore it gets cut off or it's diminished. No, it's like a flat ability to get into court. Well, I also missed that part of the Bill of Rights. It says yes. that it doesn't apply the same to regulated there's, industries. There's an asterisk next to the writing um, on the Supreme Court building that unless you're entering an already regulated industry and then no doors for you. Right. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, Brian Weir of Counsel Foy, uh, McCarthy, argued this, but one of the things um, I think that he could have seen coming- His first argument. His first mistaken, argument, so. yes. He did excellent, by and, the way. And, yeah. and, and but, but one of the things uh, that, uh, that came up, uh, which I think he was ready for, was that the um, relentless argument, the floodgates, right? Chevron. Mm-hmm. So the real question is, um, if Chevron goes, meaning that you don't give deference to the agency, and then the six-year statute that it used to be treated like repose, and now will be a statute of limitations, and anyone who gets injured, whenever it accrues to them, uh, you you can go running through the regulatory agencies, getting another shot at knocking them down, is their worried, the floodgates. So what happened with the floodgates argument? The, was that the, word the, used? The, the, but they're still stare decisis, though, for those I, prior I, interpretations. I, I agree Yeah, with and that. I think that that's certainly the conversation that came up is, you know, stare decisis plays a role in all of that. I think what happened with the floodgates, not necessarily that issue, but you know, Justice Jackson, and we'll call it, you know, a slip, there's been a lot of ink spilled on this already in the past 24 hours, said, you know, in a world without Chevron, right? And we all know the relentless case is pending. So, you know, is it a Freudian slip or is it just sort of a, in the moment, inartfully 
ask questions, which occurs, or hypothetical. hypothetical. Well, and Justice Kagan later on makes it very clear that when she's asking her question about like a Chevron-less world or tweak Chevron world, this is a hypo. This is a hypothetical question with a hypothetical, I mean, I think she said hypothetical like three or four times before the pitch. So, you know, there there are... Yeah, a lot of, of wind-up there. Yeah, a lot of wind-up. I, <laughs> I don't want to read too much into it, but it, it, it was something. And I think that it fits into this greater thing that we're seeing going on in the court this term is that there's just a lot of administrative law cases. I think part of the reason we're seeing that is exactly what you said before. Courts are looking at the law differently. They're reviewing it differently. We're all textualists now. And so a lot of these laws that have been interpreted in the past or understood in a certain way really can't hold their weight. It's a house of cards. Under, yeah, yeah. Uh, under, under a, a textualist look, will you actually look at what the statute says? So um, I think that this is just another one of those that's fitting into that piece of the concerns the court has about, say, mistakes in the past. And by the way, I want to uh, bring this up again because we do always see the floodgates and the parade of horribles, but we've, I think the corner post people and Brian, they, Congress could make statutes of repose whenever it wants. Of course. So if they do see there's a problem, they could just change it. And as as has been pointed out, um, a lot of statutes that we um, we we don't like it, but it is has been done properly, and they've actually said, "Here's what you got to do." I mean, yeah, that 30 day statute of repose on a Magnuson Stevens Act is brutal, as you know. And so, but Congress can do that. They have the ability. They have the authority. Um, one of the things that they, the the corner post team, you know. Mr. Weir argued was like, look, you can look at the statistics in the Sixth Circuit that had this other rule, the minority rule. There's not like demonstrably more cases that are happening there. Maybe there should have been. What, we, what have we been doing the last five years? We should, <laughs> well, but we should have been bringing all our cases in well, the Sixth well, Circuit. Well, that's apparently. what I said. I have been, we actually looked at it quite a bit, Sheng and I, mm-hmm. a number of times, but we actually hadn't run into the statute of limitations problem. Ah, okay. So that's why we didn't, uh, we didn't do it. But I was surprised at that very fact that uh, it does appear to be the case that 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 people didn't go file there because, uh, you know, and, and, and there's an we odd, were looking. There's an odd nuance in all this, right? Like, there's no doubt. Nobody would disagree with the fact that if you end up in an enforcement action and you have an as-applied challenge that the you know regulation is unlawful as applied to you. And let that, me just break that down. If the government comes after you, you can raise it as a defense. Yes. And so there's no doubt that, like, there's no limitation on that. You can always raise it as a defense. You can always raise it as applied. And a couple of justices, including the Chief Justice, Justice Barrett, I think even Justice Gorsuch, were sort of like, well, if you can always raise it as an as-applied challenge, why would the rule be different for a direct facial challenge. Right, and you, have to, you have to violate the rule in order to be able to bring up a constitutional challenge? And, that seems like a bad rule. And in this instance, that wasn't even an avenue open to corner post because they're actually not the regulated entity. They're an entity that's affected by the regulation, but the regulated entities are the banks themselves. Right. They'll never, the, the regulator will never come after corner posts. It'll just make sure it gets charged through the entities it will come after. Yeah, and so, so there are these other things. There's also this other little... Um, Thing here is, you know, we talked about very early on that the government was, um, you know, trying to avoid cases. They said one of the things they said, well, we could do a petition for rulemaking, and that found no credence with any of the justices. And and well, it shouldn't because as we've pointed out in our amicus brief by Kara, it takes forever, and they never answer you. And in the sweet by and by, maybe you get to sue. Anyways, Kara, thanks for coming and breaking down Corner Post. Uh, Congratulations to Brian Weir, and um, I hope it comes out well. 